Red Lake Nation Radio. I'm Chad Dotson. Joining me today is our, uh, my old buddy. Um, he's not that old, but uh, but I will say he's my buddy. Uh, one of the longtime editors at Red Lake Nation. Been there as long as I have. Uh, Chris Garber, how you doing today, Chris? Doing great, Chad. Good, good. You uh, enjoying the Cincinnati Reds team? They are fantastic. Oh, man. They're the best team I've seen in a long time that's been 20 games out uh, by the start of the summer. It sounds to me like you've caught Reds fever. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I grew up with this, and you did too. I mean, this is what, when I was a kid, I was a little young. I knew the Reds were great in the Big Red Machine, but I really, you know, developed my Reds fandom hardcore in the 82, 83, 84 season, which was some really awful times, but... If you can make it through that, I think you'll make it through about anything. I think maybe that's the reason why uh, maybe we get a little bit less upset when the Reds are like this, because you're right, I'm, I'm the same way. That's how I came to know the Reds. I knew about the Big Red Machine. I knew about you know what Bench and, and Rose and Morgan, all those guys had done, but my guys were the Bruce Berennies of the world in 1983. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, and then they had a little bit of success and then went back to being awful again. And this seems kind of like the natural state of things, really. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, you know, the 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 suffering we did and the getting excited about about Dwayne Walker and Gary Reedus and guys that if we if we look, it, knew then what we knew now, we wouldn't have been so excited because they were 28, 29 years old and, and peaking out at batting 275, but we made it through that and what we got was Eric Davis and Barry Larkin and Paul O'Neill. I, I don't necessarily see that on the horizon, but I think that's the hope, right? Well, yeah, that's the hope and I think well I'm always looking for reasons to hope, and there there are some young guys. I don't know if we've got any Eric Davises uh, on the horizon, but on the pitching side, there's some young guys that uh, maybe cause you get a little bit excited, unlike what we had uh, in 83 at originally, like you are talking the Dwayne Walker years, and also unlike what we had, say, in 2001, when really there was nothing on the horizon, although we didn't necessarily see it at that time. Uh, Cody Reed, uh, for example. Cody Reed's going to be making his uh, Major League debut this weekend. Uh, now, does that excite you a little bit? That's really exciting. I think, uh, you know, I, I think I've, I'm a little shell-shocked from pitching prospects in general. So I'm sure. a little wary of, of pitching prospects. So I don't get quite as excited over a, a Cody Reed as I might have a Jay Bruce years ago. But, man, Cody Reed looks like the real deal. As, as much as any 23-year-old prospect can be, he's somebody you can get excited about. Oh, yeah. six five, big guy, throws hard, great slider. Uh, you're right. There's no such thing as a pitching prospect, as uh, as they always say, because of the injuries. It is a little more difficult to get uh, too excited. But you know, uh, for all the, that we like to criticize uh, Walt Jockety, and there's plenty of reasons to criticize, I and mean, we can have a whole podcast or a series of podcasts on that. I'm I'm not necessarily defending <laughs> him here, but um, you know, we traded Johnny Cueto last year, and we all love Cueto, and we wish Cueto were still a Red uh, in a lot of ways, but. The three pitchers they got for him are now in the Reds' rotation. I mean, that's, you know, that's something. That's a lot. I was noticing that the other day. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't the first one, but uh, that's something, man. I mean, you're you're less than a year out, and you've got three guys, all of whom are, you know, deserving of a spot in the rotation. Yeah, there have been injuries, but, I mean, this, is, this isn't the guys who are starting in May. Right, so it's not Daniel Wright or some guys, not that, uh, not to criticize Wright too much, but it's not, not fill-in guys. These are guys who have a chance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't think they'll all pan out as as top starters. I mean, it's they're no, you know, Pulsifer, Isringhausen, and Wilson. <laughs> right, right. But, uh, oh, mercy. Now you get but, my, you know, my but, head hurt. 
Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. To me, to me it really is amazing that as much as we bash Jockety, here nine, ten months out, all three of these guys are, are there. Well, we kind of laughed about, you know, it's, it's not a rebuild, it's a, a reboot, and that's still, there are reasons to laugh about that. But if you think about it, you know, he got three really major league ready guys. Uh, you know, in less than a year, they're they're in the big leagues, and that's that's pretty impressive. And and young, talented guys who may yeah. not all pan out, but they've got talent. Well, they're here as quick as we need them to be. Yeah. And and uh, you know, the other half of that, there's no such thing as a pitching prospect, is the part that gets overlooked a little bit. It's not just any pitching prospect can get hurt, but it's also if you can pitch, you can pitch. Like there's no such thing as a prospect because once you can prove you can pitch. Get him out there and let him start getting guys out. Yeah. Well, that's a, sort of a description of Cody Reed, who Cody Reed wasn't a particularly highly rated prospect, started to prove he could pitch, and uh, has flown through the, uh, uh, flown through the uh, levels of the minor leagues up to the majors. So um, that's exciting. You know, I like Brandon Finnegan, the, John Lamb, who's starting. We're recording this during Friday night's game, uh, who's starting tonight, and, and uh, not particularly pitch efficient, but having a pretty good uh, game. Um, you know, Lamb may be a guy that ends up being a reliever. Finnegan has been uh, good this year. He may be a guy that ends up being a reliever. I don't know, but these are guys that uh, there's some upside. And to me, when when the team's so bad, that's really all we can look for. This, these are guys that may be able to help the next good Reds team. And to me, that's exciting. Yeah, I think so. I think I think one way or the other. I think I think Lamb just I just don't think he throws enough strikes to pitch seven innings, game in and game out. But he, he is effective, and he knows how to pitch. I think. So you're right. All, these guys are going to be useful one way or the other uh, in, the, in the next Good Reds team. And, it, you know, we, we have made fun of the reloading thing. But if they can cycle four or five really top-quality pitchers in again and they might happen to have an infielder or two and Jesse Winker works out, that's actually back to being a pretty decent team again. That's been my uh, my point, I guess. And, and again, a lot of this I will concede is me trying to wear those uh, rose-colored glasses and uh, you know trying to be optimistic because I, it's more fun when the Reds are good. Um, but yeah, if if they are able to put together a rotation, and you can sort of squint and see how they could put together a, a really top-notch rotation, and then they've got a number of guys. I think about uh, names like Michael Lorenzen, and if Rizal Iglesias is not able to, his shoulder's not able to stand up to starting. Got other guys, John Lamb, uh, maybe uh, they sent out to the bullpen, and all of a sudden you got a pretty good bullpen too. So your pitching staff set. You've got, uh, you know, in terms of young guys, hopefully Peraz, uh, Jose Peraz is going to work out, and Winker and uh Suarez I don't know uh, he's in a funk now but you, you he's still young you hope Eugenio Suarez is going to turn out and so you start looking there's really only a couple of spots here uh Mezzarocco, the catcher is going to be a big question mark until he can prove he can stay healthy but you know you can squint and say they're not that far away yeah you know I I have myself convinced and then I, I just started looking at the roster again and <laughs> and you say you know who's who's really producing right now? Well, it's it's Votto, it's Cozart, who's probably not on the next good Reds team. It's Jay Bruce, who's probably not on the next good Reds team. Oh, although, come on, come on now. You know, I mean, our, you know, I think the guys on our on uh, Red Leg Nation have done a great job of explaining and making the case for why Jay Bruce should stick around. I mean, he is only twenty nine. Um, Adam Duvall, I 
don't think Adam Duvall is a 900 OPS guy forever. But <laughs> That'd be nice. It would be. It would be. <laughs> so I don't know. I go back and forth. I mean, I think a guy like Mezzarocco is a real, a real linchpin to, to them being good quickly. Yeah, that's a good point. He could be, you know, if he if he can get healthy and stay healthy in here two straight years, he hasn't. That's going to really help them take a big leap forward over where they are now. Um, I'm with you on on Bruce. I mean, you know, I, I understand Bruce is probably going to get traded, but I, I think that the difference is, as you said, he's just 29. So you can make a case, unlike some of these other guys the Reds have traded, you can make a case that signing him to an extension is not a terrible idea. I mean, he could be, you know. Uh, he'll be in his early 30s if, if the Reds expect to compete in the next couple of years. And, you know, he's still hitting the ball. Um, Cozart's probably gone, I would think. Uh, Votto's around forever, and Votto's back to being Votto now, thank goodness. So, you know, um, Duvall is, is something actually I wanted to talk to you about now that uh, since, you, since you brought him up. Because you said on Twitter, uh, I don't know, last week, a couple weeks ago, hey, you know, might be time to start thinking about trading Adam Duvall because is he ever going to have more value on the uh, on the trade market than he has now, and I think that's an interesting point. Uh, he's not I, Adam Duvall can't be the hitter we've seen here. He can't sustain this, can he? I, I don't think so. I mean, I so I made that that case, and I was trying to qualify it a little bit. I mean, the real thing is, if you're the Reds, you know what you think Adam Duvall is. You've got in your mind and your scouting reports and your statistical projections. You know what you think he's going to be. And if you really think, if you really thought he was going to be a 900 OPS hitter, then ride it. You've got him for a half million bucks, and you've got him for team control for a long time, and just go with it. But if your projection said Adam Duvall is the kind of guy who's going to hit, if he gets 500 at-bats, he's going to hit 230 and hit 22 home runs, trade him right now. Because nobody, I mean, somebody out there might believe he's a 900 OPS guy, or think he's an 880 guy or something. And pay you more than he's really worth. So it really does depend. I mean, he's 27. This is the ceiling you're going to see from Adam Duvall. I just don't know if it's a hot six weeks or if this is what you can get three years out of him. Yeah, and you're right. It's going to largely depend on what the Reds internally think about him. My thoughts about him are this is a lot of fun. I'm enjoying watching him just pound baseballs all over the, uh, all over the field. Uh, extra base hit after extra base hit. 19 home runs at this point. Uh, I always thought, and I don't know, don't think that what I've seen so far has changed my mind. That he's a you know fourth outfielder type uh, can fill in and uh, be a big power bat off the bench. Maybe uh, that two ninety one on base percentage and the refusal to uh, take a walk uh, <laughs> just scares me. And and, and striking out twenty eight percent of the time just scares me. Uh, you know, so you know, I, I don't know if you trade him, but. I mean, here's the thing that's funny is after I after I ran my mouth the other day, I decided to to look in to see if I actually could support what I was talking about. This isn't actually that far out of line with his minor league numbers. I mean, I think his minor league his minor league OBP is a little higher from when he was at the lower levels. He had a couple really good years at Class A, but at the uh, at the AAA level, you know, he was an 880 slug, 880 OPS guy, 278, 333, 548. I mean, his, his, he's not walking at all in the major leagues, and that's the difference. But the rest of it, it's pretty close to what he did. So maybe so, he's the rare guy that can so, somewhat sustain. He's not going to be this good, but can sustain a decent level of production. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I mean, or, or we're going to find out when he goes through the league a second time 
that it, it all disappears. But and I and I get it. I mean, you know, a lot of people disagreed when I when I said that on Twitter the other day, and I get it. I mean, he's the one bright spot on this roster. I mean, you can try to get excited about Dan Straley or something, but you know, guys hitting twenty home runs before the Fourth of July—that's cool. Yeah, and right. on a on a really lousy team, it's really cool. So you know, I get it. You know, Jay's having a good year, but Jay is probably on his way out. Suarez had a good start, but Suarez has been cold. Vado's started horribly, and now he's picking it up. So the only, you know, consistent bright spots on this team have been Adam Duvall and Zach Cozart. So it's you know I can see it's not popular to trade one of them. Sure, absolutely. Uh, just from a PR uh, standpoint, but there's also a case to be made sort of both ways that he's uh, never going to be more valuable versus he could be a contributor for the next three or four years. I, you know, I don't know. I know that they started uh, putting Jesse Winker in right field uh, in AAA a little bit. He, of course, he went on the disabled list today. Um, oh, what happened there? Wrist injury. Not sure exactly how it happened. Um, oh. And actually, we hadn't seen that reported anywhere. I'm going to give a, a little bit of praise to our, our friend Jason Linden uh, for Red Leg Nation. He uh, has been going to some of those bats games and going into the going into the clubhouse and uh, talking to some of the guys. Uh, Louisville was kind enough to give Red Leg Nation a press pass this year, and uh, he actually spoke with with Winker. He wouldn't elaborate, but he did say he has a wrist injury. Well, they evidently did an MRI uh, today, and he's put him on the disabled list. I haven't heard anything else, but I, I really I think Jason uh, broke that news. Actually, we're not usually in the news breaking uh, uh, business, but uh, that little tiny piece of news was broken right by Red Leg Nation. It's come so, a long way. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so you know. Uh, if Bruce is traded, you know, maybe they think Duvall and Winker can handle the corner spots in the outfit over the next couple of years. I don't know. Uh, well, who knows? Yeah, I don't know. Let me, let me, I'm just looking at something here that I want. You, you mentioned the, the corners of the outfield. I want to talk about center field for a minute. And as of entering tonight's game, three players in the Reds have almost exactly the same OPS. And I don't think anybody in a million years would have guessed that those three players would be hitting th- the same when it's all added up. And it's Brandon Phillips, Billy Hamilton, and, and Eugenio, yeah. <laughs> Easy for you to say. Eugenio Suarez. <laughs> and see, I ripped Tom Brenneman, but he can say that name really well. Oh, he's good at it, yeah. All of a sudden. Um, but those guys are all at the same spot. They're all right, just a couple points apart, right around 700. Yeah. And I would have never in my life guessed that Billy Hamilton would be out hitting Suarez this yeah. late in the season. Especially as hot as uh, Suarez started. Uh, so a point that I was going to make on Duvall is like in triplicate for Hamilton, which is that, let me just shift back to Duvall for a second, which is defense has been actually very good. Both the eye test and all the metrics show that his defense has been good in left field, surprising everyone. Uh, but that And that reflects on what I was going to say about Hamilton. If Hamilton can hit, you know, he's around 270, uh, 308 on base, uh, 394 slugging. If he can do that, I'll take Billy Hamilton in center field because of what he provides with his legs and what he provides with his uh, glove. So, yeah, I mean, I think this is a step forward for Billy Hamilton. Is it his ceiling? I don't know. Um, it's the first time, though, in a couple of years we've seen any real progress at the plate. And that's, that's another reason to, again, if you squint a little bit to get excited. I don't like that uh, Brandon Phillips doesn't surprise me. I don't like that uh, Suarez at this point. I had hoped he'd be uh, significantly ahead of Billy Hamilton's offensive numbers because certainly Suarez doesn't provide the value of the glove. Um, no, and I, I you know... I- I haven't been watching Suarez close enough to be able to tell what's what's bothering him and what what's his struggles are attributable to. Do you have any idea? 
I think a, a large part of it, in my opinion, is this is the first time he's ever played third base, or he played like five games there in single A, I think. Uh, he's learning the position on the major league level, and it's really hard to learn a new position on the major league level. This is the These are the best players in the world. So I think that's part of it. Uh, he was not a great defensive shortstop in the first place, so uh, I, I don't know. I know we don't want to... To, to date this podcast too much, but Eugenio Suarez just threw a ball into right field from third base as you were saying that sentence. Oh, my God. He tried to field a little bunt and just... <laughs> it's starting to make me think that if the Reds uh, ever think about uh, having a third baseman who's either of his names start, or both start with E, <laughs> yeah. they may that's, wanna... probably, that's probably not a great idea, is yeah. it? Uh, dating back to our old buddy Edwin Encarnacion, who... I wish his bat were still in the Reds lineup, but uh, nowhere to play him in the field. Yeah. So I, you, what, let's talk about Suarez then. Well, let's go back to Hamilton quickly, and then let's yeah, and we'll, we'll circle back around to Suarez because I do want to talk about him. Uh, what do you think about Hamilton? Is he a guy that uh, are you starting to think maybe he can be a part of this lineup for the next few years? Uh, I was I didn't know before this year. I still don't know. I don't either. Uh, but y- you know what we've seen so far. In 50 games, sure. I mean, I'm totally with you on that. I mean, you know, he uh, a 700 OPS with that glove and, and those wheels, that's fantastic. I mean, he's not walking at all. He's walked eight times this season. but It's more than Adam Duvall. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you know, but if you, if you somehow pretend last year didn't happen, which I'm happy to do. Yes, please. Uh, I mean, Hamilton's just a little bit better than he was in 2014. And he's just a little bit better across the board, pretty much. A little bit more power, a little bit more on base. Uh, you know, so if if there's a natural growth curve here, th- I don't know. It, it's I, I'd, ha- I'd be happy to see it. I mean, you can at least squint and see that argument. I feel like we're in one of these spring training podcasts where we're <laughs> right. looking at the bright side of everything and giving the benefit of the doubt to everybody. But... I don't know. I mean, guess that's what you do when you're 20 games out by flag day. Yeah, I think you got to look for reasons to be to be uh, excited. And, and you know, Billy Hamill is just 25 still, so you know, he, he still has some room for growth. You know, I yeah. Know. I'm uh I'm happy to uh, see the bright side right now because the the other side of it is just too painful at the at the moment. But yeah, he, he's such a joy to watch when he actually does get on base, and he's such a joy to watch playing center field. And uh, you know the defensive metrics really are, have have hammered Jay Bruce this year, and I, I don't believe that. I don't believe those are. Uh, That's one of the most frustrating things that I've seen. And, and you know, I want to trust those metrics, but they've had Jay Bruce as a really bad outfielder for quite some time now. Well, and, and that, that's I wonder if having Billy Hamilton out there stealing so many balls and covering so much ground, whether that affects the. Uh, uh, certainly, the range fi- figures for the corner outfielders. It seems like it would. I would think it would. Supposedly, you know, and I may get it wrong, but the the stuff Fangraphs uses. I looked at this exact question a few weeks ago, and and supposedly that's all factored in. I I just think maybe Billy Hamilton's so extreme a case and has such great range, and is so far all over the place that it may just break this. It may break the system. They may not be able to account for how tremendous Billy Hamilton is and how much he limits what Jay Bruce can actually do out there. I'm like you. I want to believe the metrics. And, and obviously, defensive metrics have always come with the caveat that you know, small sample sizes, uh, 
you know, you need to need to uh, take it with a grain of salt. But uh, the eye test with Jay Bruce, I don't see that he's falling off the cliff. I'm not saying that I see that he's a gold glover out there anymore, uh, as he once was. But I, I, I'm not seeing it, so I, I have questions. I, in. I, I don't know. I mean, he's got three errors in, you know, 60 games of playing. So it could be as simple as, you know, a few miscues like that will throw throw everything off i don't know i mean i'm just trying to look for something to 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 explain away why people keep telling me jay bruce is no good in the field and i watch the games and i say he's still pretty darn good pretty good at the plate too isn't he he really is it's it's <laughs> that's been a lot of fun to see that's, i mean that has been you know we've talked about straley which is a fun uh uh you know thing and uh and adam duvall but for some of us who've watched jay bruce in his up and down struggles it has been fun hasn't it yeah, it's been really exciting to see, and and, and you know he's he's such an affable guy that uh, <laughs> he it's, is he is he's very affable. <laughs> and you, you, he's really a guy I root for. I mean, all the time. And and when he does poorly and he makes a giant mistake, I feel bad for him. I don't get mad. I feel bad for him. And when he does well, I feel so thrilled for him. I don't I don't have that relationship with anybody else in the Reds. I don't think. But uh, that's how I feel about Bruce and. He's one of those guys, you know, I talked about throwing out one year of Billy Hamilton stats. Jay, you'd have to throw out two seasons. Yeah. And let's just pretend those never, ever happened. I'm not, it's a very odd thing for a guy to hit 27 years old and be awful. Yeah, just crazy. But, yeah. Yeah. He went right off that cliff. And, you know, I, I don't know if there's a, uh, a comparison for somebody who was, you know, a really good player like Jay was and then was a really terrible player. And then came back to be a really good player. I mean, this would be his career season if he keeps it up. Yeah, I mean, uh, how many guys can there be that were uh, two-time All-Stars by the time they reached their age 27 season and then they're done? And it was starting to look like that was Jay Bruce. He was done. I mean, he was declining already. So, and this, again, we're just over two months into the season. May not last, but uh, so far, by far the best season of his career, you know, by every by every statistic, uh, yeah, but. and he looks he looks good too. I mean, he, this is what I thought. If you know, if you came to me in 2012, 2013 and said, "What's Jay Bruce going to look like when he's twenty nine? This is it. This is exactly what I thought you'd see. You'd see a pretty patient guy who waits for his pitch, who knows the things he can hit and the things he can't, and he just has tremendous power. But but it couldn't be more different than what we've seen the last two years. I just baseball is such a funny game. I I'll, I don't understand it. I never will. Um, but he he does look. If you watch the games as much as we watch them, I know it's anecdotal, and I know uh, the sabermetric community will smack me down for saying it. But man, just watch the guy, and he looks like a different hitter. He's not swinging at those uh, you know breaking pitches down yeah. the way that he always. I mean, how many times have we seen him strike out on that pitch? And he's just not doing it anymore. Yeah, that's that to me is what it is. And and I just don't know what he was doing the last year. If he was try the last couple of years, if he was trying to do something, you know, if he got a little bit freaked out when he struck out 185 times in 2013, and he said, "I got to change something up," because he struck out less, but he hit the ball a million times less. Yeah. So I I just don't know. Or maybe there was an injury that, that we didn't hear as much about as we should have. But what you said is exactly it. He doesn't get fooled as much. He doesn't get jammed up as much. 
he lets those pitches go by and he hits the ones that he can hit. The last couple of years, it almost seemed like when he, when he got a hit, half the time it felt like he ran into it by accident. Right. And when he got two strikes on him, the pitcher knew what he had to throw and, and Jay was never going to hit it. Yeah. Um, yeah I, have a, I have a theory and it's based on nothing, but, you know, uh, this is our podcast. I, I can throw out <laughs> theories if I want. Uh, that first year, he had that, that uh, I guess is the wrist injury that sapped a lot of his power and messed him up a little bit. And he was striking out a lot. And, and just based on some of the interviews they had with him, and, and you talk about a guy that's affable and that you root for, even when he was struggling, he stood up and answered the questions and made no excuses. Um, but he started to say things that made it, made it sound to me like he was trying to be Joey Votto. He, and, and it's not bad to try to emulate Joey Votto, obviously. But Votto it's has, tough. It it's is, just tough. It is tough. There are very few players. And it looks like he just got away from what got him to being a top prospect and got him to be a two-time all-star and, and got him to be in Jay Bruce. In, in trying to change to be more Joey Votto. That, that's my theory, and it really just, he couldn't do it. And this year he's back to the guy we saw a few years ago, uh, but even better. Well, that's, I don't, you know, again, that's all supposition, and it's uh, probably ludicrous, but that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> yeah, there's probably, there's, some, there's something out there. I, and I bet you if we spend enough time looking at, because I think it's approach. I really do. I don't think it's really mechanical. I don't necessarily think it's health. I think there's something different in his approach. And I think if we sat there and poured over the ball strike data and what pitches he swung at and what counts and how he did, I think you'd find it. I think it's out there somewhere, but I don't know that I'm smart enough to figure it out. And I, I'm not going to ask why. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, it's just, just Jay it. may know why, and I, Jay shouldn't tell anybody what happened. He should just be happy that he's crushing the ball right now. And, and, you know, we've talked about uh, Duvall, who's been fantastic, but across the board, all the sort of advanced metrics, um, WOBA, WRC+, plus, OPS+, plus, Jay Bruce's uh, hitting numbers, are, uh, and, and even OPS, are uh, head and shoulders. Well, not head and shoulders, but they're uh, the best on the Reds. Uh, it's a legitimately great season that he's having. I, I couldn't be happier for him. I hope he keeps it up and maybe gets that third All-Star game. I hope he keeps up his current pace and ends the season with about 15 triples. <laughs> I know, leading the league in triples. What's that all about? I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. But I, I, how many of those triples did he get thrown out on the bases trying to stretch to a home run? It only happened one time? <laughs> yeah, I think just once. Uh, I'm looking here. The Reds have uh, 12 triples on the season as a team. <laughs> and Jay Bruce has six of them. I mean... You could have. Uh, how much money could you have made in Vegas on that bet if someone yeah. were, if someone were willing to lay odds on it? And, tu- and Tucker Barnhart has one too. <laughs> and Tucker Barnhart has one. Yeah, Tucker Barnhart's tied for second on the team with one. Yeah, tied uh, with Billy Hamilton and Tyrell. <laughs> right, as you would expect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, we said we were going to circle back around to Suarez. Let's talk about him. You know, uh, Eugenio Suarez. First caveat: he's still he's just twenty four, young guy, uh, who's uh, hit better on the major league level than. Uh, than a lot of players at his age. Uh, Todd Frazier, who he replaced this year, was not even in the major leagues at uh, age 24. Um, Suarez started off hot. You talk about cratered. He's not looking so good right now. Uh, I'm not particularly concerned about the offense. I think it's going to come around enough for him to be, I mean, like I said, he's just 24, and he's demonstrated some ability. He's in a funk now. Uh, Baseball's hard, especially for young guys. 
Whether the defense permits him to remain at third base, that I don't know. But uh, what, what do you think about Suarez? You, you think he's the long-term answer at third base? I don't know. I don't know he's going to hit enough to to play third base in the major leagues on a good team. Then where does he play? I don't know. Can he play second base with Peraza next to him? He was a shortstop. You'd think he could play second base, and that would minimize some of those bad throws, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think he's going to hit. I don't think he's going to hit for incredible power. And, you know, so and, and he's not going to be a 400 on-base percentage guy, I don't think. But he's going to be a useful hitter. He does have 13 it, home runs. Yeah, he does have 13 home runs. It's, it's really odd when you look at his line. He's got the same number of home runs as he did all last season, and he has the same number of walks as he did, did all last season. Hmm. Well, that is interesting. Yeah, I mean, you look at those two numbers, you're like, sweet, this guy's on, on a roll here. But uh, it's everything else. Yeah, then you look at the other numbers, right? Yeah, I mean, he just he traded a bunch of doubles for home runs, almost a straight trade, really. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I think he'll hit. I, I don't know if he'll feel it. I mean, baseball history is filled with guys, young players who were moved to third base who were awful to start with and ended up being okay. I mean, that's, that's a, an old story. Sure, absolutely. I mean, it's the Todd Frazier story, kind of. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't much at third base to begin with, but he he turned into a pretty good one. So he could learn it, I think. Um, I just don't know if he's if that bat's going to play there or not. I mean, obviously the Reds just drafted a hitting third baseman, right? Yeah, and I I know they don't draft for need, and they they you know they probably would have drafted any position except maybe first base. But uh, Suarez, there's there's a plan B there. If Suarez doesn't work out at, at third, there's a plan B right there. Yeah, I mean, a college, talking about Nick Senzel at the University of Tennessee, the Reds picked number two overall. Uh, yeah, a college third baseman played in the SEC. Prob- I know he started in single A uh, today, as a matter of fact, first professional game. But, yeah, not too far away, you would think, uh, if he performs. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know about Suarez. I don't know where you play him. The guy that jumps to my mind which uh, disturbs me a little bit for some reason, is Willie Green. You remember Willie Green? I can't forget Willie Green. How can you forget Willie Green? Who could hit a little bit, but never could really stick for whatever reason. Well, uh, you know, Willie Green, my memories of Willie Green are all tied up with my Jim Bowden issues. And and the you Willie do have, Green's going to... You do have Jim Bowden issues. I do. You? I do. I think I do. <laughs> I, uh, I, was a big, I was a big, big, big Jim Bowden fan for a long time, too. And I think I... I finally, I think he finally wore me out. But uh, yeah, I mean, Will, and Willie Green's a guy that if you look back, he hit a lot better than than I remember him anyway. Yeah, I mean, I remember him being a, a kind of a colossal failure, and that's not totally true. And some of it was a hitter's era, but he did he hit the ball pretty well there for a couple seasons. But uh, yeah, I don't know how how do you see Suarez and Green? What what do you see as a comparison? The the fielding. I think so, yeah, the fielding and whether they're ever going to be able to find just a place for him or whether he's going to, um, I don't know, maybe that's not. Maybe it's an imperfect comparison, but for some reason I see that guy, really, I uh, maybe I ju- I'm just trying to avoid a comparison to uh, Edwin Encarnacion. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm avoiding a Brandon Larson comparison. Oh, so man. We've got a, we've got a whole uh, <laughs> yeah. back <laughs> catalog of, of failed third base prospects that yeah, we can... You. We can try on for size and then throw away. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just I, I think of a guy that we have a lot of hope for, which was Willie Green. 
and then you you know I'm starting to wonder is he going to is he going to pan out and and I, I shouldn't be I, I, I'm turning to Marty Brenneman here he's <laughs> young man four years old what, what would Marty say I don't know if that young man's ever going to figure it out is that what he said <laughs> that, that's what he said Pretty about close, anyway yeah something like that about our about Johnny Cueto and and I think Johnny Cueto figured it out I think he did I, <laughs> I think he did I, I also remember him saying that about Eric Davis when I was a kid oh wow. And uh, I think Eric did all right, too. Well, and that's uh, a common theme of this podcast over the years is young guys are going to struggle sometimes. So maybe we just need to slow down a little bit on Suarez. Um, maybe he will learn to, to field third. I don't think Todd Frazier was ever this bad, but I do remember the Reds playing Todd Frazier in left field and in right field because they weren't sure he'd stick in the majors as third baseman. And he turned into a pretty good defensive third baseman, certainly above average. Yeah, and, and the, the interesting thing about Frazier is, I mean, he really got his, his real start when Joey Votto missed the better part of a season. Yeah. And and Frazier played first. Right. So, uh, you know, Suarez, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I, I think it's way too soon to tell. I would like to see him in the middle infield, which is strange to say for a guy who is having trouble fielding at third base, to move him the other way on the defensive spectrum. But... Some combination of he and uh, Peraza. I don't know that I, I can. I can again. We're talking a lot about squinting and trying to put guys in places, but I could see that, uh, especially if a guy like Senzel can play third. I thought Duvall might be the third baseman, but he's um, he's a yeah. They kind of well. they kind of gave up on that, or or just you know at least for now. Well, he wasn't very good uh, defensively at third base base either, uh, by all reports. So. It, it, the the interesting thing about Duvall, and you kind of alluded to this earlier. He's a good athlete. Yeah. I mean, he's a really good athlete. He's not your, you know, your Greg Luzinski slugger type guy. He's a, he's a guy that can move around pretty well. I mean, he's a big dude, but he moves really well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's athletic. Absolutely. And uh, not what you expect out of a guy with the statistics that he has, the power statistics. You, know, you expect a, a big lumbering Rob Deere type or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't know. There's so many questions, but uh, there are some options as well. Uh, before we leave the, the, the offensive side of the ledger, uh, we probably ought to spend a little bit of time talking about Joey Votto because he's finally back. He's finally hitting again. And uh, uh, I don't, what took so long? I don't know. I mean, I'll just say this. I wasn't worried. I, I He looked bad a few times. He looks confused a, a few times. But... The thing about Votto is he's always got something going on in his head. And I think we've, as fans and people who kind of think about baseball, we've at least gotten past bashing guys who are cerebral and who think about the game. I remember as a kid, Mike Schmidt was always a guy that said, oh, he's, he's always in his own head. He's, he thinks too much. And that was kind of a knock on Mike Schmidt because he was thinking about how to do his job better. And I think Votto is that to the extreme. And thankfully, people... Kind of leave him alone about it. They'll bash him for the if he's not hitting, then he's not hitting. But um, I think Joey's always trying something, and you never know what it is because he doesn't share that. But he may have been trying something with his swing or with his timing or with his approach, and it didn't work. And I think it was some of that, and I think it was some bad luck and batting average on balls in play, bad luck, and and just stuff like that. And so, so I, go ahead. Go ahead. Some of it also, I think pitchers were pitching him a little bit different, and he was sort of trying to work through it and figure it out. Uh, but I'm like you, I wasn't worried about Joey Votto. Now, it was the first two-month stretch of his of his career. 
Uh, and so I wasn't happy to see that, and it was strange to see. But he's such an elite hitter. He is liable to be, by the time his career ends, the best hitter any of us have ever seen in a Reds uniform. I mean, we can argue about that, and there are some other great ones that we've seen in a Reds uniform. Of course, I never saw Joe Morgan playing for the Reds. Uh, but there's a, there's a good chance he's in that inner circle, you know. I think so. I mean, honestly, last season, bought and like he needs it, but bought all the goodwill and the the faith that Joey Votto will ever need from me. Yes. After 2014, which was just a, kind of a lost year in a lot of ways, I mean, it was that, yeah, he had the on-base percentage, but, geez, there was nothing else going on there. And he came back last year, and you thought, look, he's 30. Is this is this the beginning of the end for Joey Votto? And no, he came back last year, and he killed the ball all season long. He had... You know, he was third in the MVP, and he deserved it. So I'm, I will put my faith in Joey Votto that he's not done, and he's ready, and he's going to be hitting again before the season's out. Oh, without well, you know, within three weeks, his OPS is already back up to 821. His OPS plus 121. Yeah, I mean, he's already a productive hitter, above average. He's got a, season numbers are already uh, well above average. Yeah, he's Joey Votto. Yeah, you know, the guy had seven and a half wins above replacement last year. I will give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, it was really strange to watch, and I was really confused about what I was seeing because he did look really bad sometimes, as you as you noted. But uh, I think we're seeing now that uh, he's a special player. He, he's he's one of the, the special players that Reds fans need to enjoy watching every single at-bat because he's going to be gone someday in about, I think he's got 19 <laughs> years left on his contract or something. <laughs> but he'll be gone one day. My kids are out of college. Joey Votto might not be a red anymore. Right, exactly. But um, no, he's got seven uh, seven years after this year left. Okay. Um, so you know, I, I'm I'm not willing to speculate whether he's going to be hitting this well at age 39. But right now, enjoy it. He's a he's a special guy. He is a really cerebral. And there was something going on there. But uh, I would not be surprised if for the rest of this. Uh, season he doesn't just he's hit like Joey Votto so um and that's another reason why this team may be a better much much better team in the second half than what we saw in the first half uh, that's my hope with the pitchers coming back from uh from injury and, and and some new guys coming up from the minors I think there's a significant chance uh, the Reds are not going to be you know 15 games above 500 in the second half uh, but I think they could be a 500 team and that's something compared to where we were when they were just not just a few short weeks ago when they were on pace to lose 111 games. So if you're looking for reasons to be interested in the rest of the season, maybe there's something. Yeah, well, you know, I, I they, they've been, I mean, the month of May was pretty bad. There's no way to sugarcoat that. Yes. But they've been, on the whole, a more entertaining team than they are a good team. Like, they're a bad team, but they've gone about it in a pretty fun way a lot of times. You know, I, I'm i not sure I can quantify what I'm, what I'm getting ready to say here or, the, or whether I can am eloquent enough to put it into words, but I think I understand what you're saying, and I have actually enjoyed watching this team way more than uh, I have any right to have enjoyed a team that's lost so many games, uh, you know. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to get at, and I, I honestly, I think most of it's that I don't care if they win or lose. That's probably. I mean, I really. They blow these games in the ninth inning, and when the bullpen was in that really horrible funk, and I just ex- expect it. You know, 
and it was kind of funny. I mean, at some point you're just like, how are they going to do it again? What can you do? What what can you do? I mean, if you're a player or a coach or a manager on this team, I can I get it. They're getting eaten up inside. I mean, they're probably missing sleep, and they're just because if they're not, if they're if they're okay with it, then they're going to have a lot of. They're never going to be good. So I don't. I feel bad for the players and the the people associated with the club. But as a fan, look, I'm kind of just counting up six inning games now. How the Reds doing after six? How the starting pitcher do? How the the batters do the first three times through the lineup? After that, whatever happens, I don't care. Right. I said something earlier in the year uh, about is is it possible? I can't remember exactly how how I worded it, but is it possible that the Reds are really one of the best teams in baseball? They just have a historically bad bullpen. And uh, I wonder if you if you just go inning, innings one through six, what would our record be at this? <laughs> That's at this a point? really fun idea. I don't know if there's a way to do that without it being too much work for my uh, lazy rear end. But exactly, yeah, I'm not gonna put, I'm not gonna do, look that up. But it's a lot of math. Yeah, some enterprising uh, listener needs to needs to do that. Uh, and, and here I'm pretending that we have any listeners. <laughs> <laughs> no, not you, the other guy. <laughs> right? Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, one of our one of our listeners. Um. Pitching on the pitching side of it, we've sort of you know there's not a whole lot to say because a lot of the guys that have pitched so far aren't going to be around the rest of the season. Uh, when once we get uh, Cody Reed's coming up, I think Stevenson, Robert Stevenson is liable to be here next week. He's been here a couple times already. Uh, Homer Bailey's coming back soon. Um, we just got Anthony uh, DiSclafani back, uh, so the rotation is going to be completely different. The the one guy that's probably going to be still in there that uh, and and you mentioned him earlier. Is Dan Straley. I still think that's a great story, Dan Straley. You know, the guy was on the scrap heap. The Reds picked him up off waivers at the end of spring training. Never, never appeared in a spring training game for him. And you know, uh, three point six six ERA in twelve starts. Go Dan Straley. Yeah, you know that's that's the one guy who. I mean, it's it's amazing how everybody who could be bad became was bad this season in the pitching staff. I mean, they they're all at the the bottom end of their possible projections. But but except for Straley, and Straley is a legitimate enough guy that I'm I believe it. I mean I'm I think this is the kind of performance he could actually put up for this team for the next few years if they keep him around. And he's not an old guy. He's had some success in the past. I honestly don't know what all these clubs were doing just throwing him away. But uh Houston I feel like Houston could use him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't understand it either. I mean, I know that he he did have a dip in his velocity, uh, evidently, and he worked off in the off season with the same group up in Washington, up in Seattle, who worked with Caleb Cotham, uh, another uh, favorite uh, Reds bullpen member of the 2016 season, and he did get some more velocity this year. But he's a guy that's just 27, and he was a top prospect, and he had uh, other than the fastball, he had a couple of good pitches. I can't. I just don't understand how everyone whiffed on this guy and the Reds who were looking for pitching that was cheap grabbed him. I mean, he was traded in the uh, to the to uh, from the Astros to the Padres for a, a backup catcher, a 35-year-old catcher during <laughs> spring training. I mean, I just, I can't, I can't, my, my feeble brain can't process that. I mean, the Padres have made a lot of really crazy moves, and I, that's that might be the dumbest one. I mean, they, they trade a guy. Now, they didn't give up anything, but they trade a guy. They trade for a guy, and they keep him for, what, 36 hours? Basically, yeah. They try to get him through waivers almost immediately. I, I didn't get it. I mean, again, that's another team that could use a pitcher. And they didn't even know if he was any good or not. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, maybe they had him through one bullpen, and they're like, yeah, never mind. I, it's, it's, it's strange to me. But, yeah, Straley's a guy. I mean, I don't want to get super excited about him, but uh, that's a real find. I mean, it almost makes sit, sitting through Alfredo Simon uh, <laughs> worthwhile. And, and I will admit, I think I've watched one Alfredo Simon start this year. When he's on, for a lot of reasons, I, I just can't stand to watch it. Yeah, just tune out. I mean, how many guys still have a job halfway through June with a 9.45 ERA? Yeah, I remember how mad we were when Jason Marquis was doing <laughs> not even that badly. Yeah. And oh. I, was so, I was so indignant about that last year. Now, <laughs> right. Simon's like, oh, I'll just, just set more things on fire. Oh, gosh, yeah. They've got to they've get rid of him, hopefully soon. But you're right about Australia in terms of not getting super excited. Let's not pretend like he's going to be the ace of the rotation for the next five years. But he's a guy that uh, maybe he's just a fifth starter or a swing man or even just a reliever. But he's still a guy that I think can provide some value to this team, and they got him for free. Yeah, well, I mean, if you look, if you want to put a group of guys together, and Alfredo Simon will keep him out of it, but if you've got John Moskett in that group, and Tim Edelman in that group, and Daniel Wright, and, you know, Tim Melville, Dan Straley's way ahead of all those guys. Oh, yes, yeah. I mean, both in potential and in actual performance, I... I'm surprised, although, that they're cycling through so many of those guys. I guess they just figure one of them's going to get hot at the major league level and do something they've never done in the minors. But uh, Straley, you know, is is not in that group, I guess is what I want to say. No. No. You know, and, and I, I, while I'm looking at the numbers, no, Straley is a guy that I think, can, and I use this term a lot, but it helps me to, to sort of focus on, which guys are worth keeping around and which guys are just uh, sort of transients. But he, he's a guy that I could see helping the next good Reds team uh, in, some, in some role. Uh, Alfredo Simon, though, I mentioned this uh, on the last podcast, and I'm going to say it again because you know we're talking about his 9.45 ERA, but we're not doing justice to Alfredo Simon. His, his FIP <laughs> is only 7.21. <laughs> he's been the victim of some bad luck. Right, he's, he's unlucky. His ERA should be somewhere in the neighborhood of seven instead of. He's uh, got a whip above ten. two. <laughs> I, I've never seen that in a guy that's pitched. You know, started eleven games. Come on. Oh my gosh. He's pitched more innings this year, fifty-three point one, than we used to see uh, Aroldis Chapman pitch this season. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he may have given up more runs than Chapman did his whole career. <laughs> probably, probably. He may have struck out a, just a better or two fewer as well. Yeah. Um, an ERA plus of 44. Oh, my goodness. That can't be real. Well, the amazing thing is it's not the worst on the roster. <laughs> I know. I know. It's not. Oh, that's embarrassing. <laughs> Setting aside uh, minimum innings requirements, there are three other guys worse than that on the roster. Oh gosh, including our buddy J.J. Hoover, I guess. Yeah, J.J. I don't know what to think about him. Um. JJ's another guy, like we said about Bruce. He's sort of a stand-up guy. He's never made excuses. He just, you know, and he's a guy I thought had legitimate closer stuff at one point. Oh, I did too. But yeah. I mean, you know, four years is a long time for a relief pitcher. Sure is. For yeah, for any, I mean, even the elite relief pitchers. We talked about yeah. Chapman, but he's he's an anomaly. Uh, you know, very few relief pitchers are able to sustain any kind of performance year in and year out. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I you know, JJ was good last year. But uh, I tend to believe that the numbers aren't lying for him right now. I think you're probably right. He's been, he's been every bit as bad as that 11 ERA shows him to be. 
But the way I sort of look, yeah, I think he has been as well. The way I look at this bullpen, though, and the way I, I said earlier about laughing at uh, when they screw something up some different special way, is that none of these guys are probably going to be around the next time we have a good Reds team. A lot of these guys that we're talking about as starters are going to filter into the bullpen because they're not going to be able to not going to be able to handle being a starter. And, and Iglesias is one of those guys, which really bums me out because Iglesias has such good stuff, and I really hoped he would be able to. And he still may be a starter, but. Uh, not looking like his shoulder can handle that. Maybe I don't know, um, but the bullpen. There, there's so many live arms in this organization. Some are going to get hurt. Some are not going to work out as starters. You got to think there's enough though that they can maybe put together a decent bullpen and a decent rotation. That's my hope anyway. I think so, and I don't look. I, it hasn't worked out this year, but I don't really fault them for what how they went about building this bullpen. I mean, they had Singrani and they had Hoover out there, and Owendorf and Wood, Cotham, those aren't terrible guys to try. Right. They, every single bet they made went bad. And, you know, sometimes you flip a coin 10 times in a row, it's going to come up tails 10 times. It's not real likely, but it happens. And that's kind of what I think they, with the bullpen they assembled. And the good news is it doesn't matter. Well, and that's what we talked about. It doesn't matter. Yeah, for the first, that, that's the reason why it never bothered me so much. For the first time in, I don't even remember the last time the Reds, before a season, said, okay, we know we're not going to compete. Even last year when they lost 98 games, they tried to pretend they were going to compete uh, so they, until they got through the All-Star game. So why go out and spend money on a bullpen? These guys are all reasonable risks to take, I guess, if you're just looking to throw people out there. They all screwed up in some way or another. Although, uh, you know, Singrani's been a little bit better lately and, and Blake Wood's been okay, although I don't trust him uh, ever. Um, yeah, but you know, who cares? I, it just—it doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me. The Reds are were going to be bad this year anyway. They weren't competing for a playoff spot. Uh, if these guys worked out, maybe one or two of them worked out and ended up being good relievers who could stick around for a couple years. Good. That's great. If they all flame yeah. out, then whatever. Who cares? I mean, the truth of it is, if Jumbo Diaz had come out and pitched with a 2.2 ERA. It's just been another guy they could trade at the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been the that's the upside of any of these relievers. Uh they're not going to be around. Uh although Singrani's only 26, so maybe he has a chance. Singrani might be. Singrani, you know, he's got to throw strikes. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's why he couldn't couldn't last as a, as a starter. He just threw too many pitches. He couldn't throw strikes consistently, but I don't know. He he could turn into sort of one of those lefty, uh, those loogies, lefty one-out guys. Yeah, that's you know. not a bad, that, you know, that's not a bad floor yeah, for can, Tony Singrani. You can make a career out of that. Uh, if you can find Tony La Russa out in Arizona, maybe uh, <laughs> maybe he can make a career out of that. But, uh, so, I don't know. We spent too much time talking about the bullpen, I think. So. Any other thoughts about the uh, this pitching staff? I would sort of beat it to death, I guess. Yeah, you know, I'm just waiting and see. Yeah. I, I, all these guys, um, even a guy like Di Scafani, who was really good last year, and and guys like Iglesias, they still got something to prove, at least from where I sit. So um, whether it's their health or their consistency or just being able to do it more than one year, yeah. This I'm just going to sit back and watch the rest of the season and and hopefully separate the Straley's from the Josh Smiths and and see what we can do for next season. Yeah. What about what about Homer Bailey? Uh, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a big Homer Bailey fan, and always have been. 
very interesting to see how he responds to the Tommy John surgery, and if he ever gets back. It's been delay after delay, and uh, what's the use in rushing him? Again, it's a lost season, so why are they? Why would they rush him? But uh, is, is Homer Bailey going to be a guy that uh, is going? I mean, he's going to be around because he's got that contract. But is he a guy that you know we can depend on to be? I don't. I don't see him as being a top of the rotation guy anymore. Uh, but you know, maybe. I don't. I don't know that Homer ever was a top of the rotation guy, other than a few weeks in the 2014 or 2013 season. Honestly. Um, I mean, he's a good pitcher, and I think he'll come back and be pretty decent. It it's worrying and a little frustrating the constant setbacks that, and I bet every team's like this. Obviously, it feels like the Reds. We pay attention to the Reds, so it feels like the Reds have, you know, tons of setbacks when other teams don't. But I, I'd like. I know it's a lost season, but I want Homer to come back and pitch. I'd like to see Homer have 15 starts this season, so that we don't go through next season. And, so, and we hear, well, he's got to build up his strength, and maybe he'll be ready. At, he's going to be on pitch counts in the first month. And, you know, that's kind of what I am. I, I, I don't care about how he performs this year, but I just want him to get his work in. Yeah, build up some of that stamina. You know, I think there's a case to be made that with all the, the talent, if everything pans out like you hope or, or most things pan out, maybe Homer's the fifth starter or the fourth starter on the next good Reds team. There's that phrase again. But um, I had hoped – before the injury, that he was sort of a number two guy. Um, and I think that his performance, I think he was a uh, – there was a time, and maybe I'm trying to say this because I wrote a piece uh, over for ESPN about how Homer Bailey is finally an ace, and then he proceeded to, you know, make me look bad. But uh, it doesn't take much work to make me look bad. But um, if, if he can come back and be a number four starter, and the Reds have guys like uh, Reed and Stevenson, and who knows, maybe Iglesias and Disclafani – uh, he could still be a. He could still help this team. I think so. I think so. I, you know, he he's. You know, he again. He's one of those guys that 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 uh, some folks might have wondered if he would ever figure it out, but he did figure it out. I mean, he put up a two and a half, three seasons of innings eating really good baseball. Yeah, and and, and at, at times during, like you said, during spans. Even elite, I mean, even very good, uh, which is what got me excited back in the day um, around those no-hitters. And he was he was legitimately good for a while. Uh, it was a short while. Um, but he was above average for a, for a couple of years, three years. The, the, the money complicates everything. The big contract he got complicates everything in terms of how Reds fans view him. I'm still hopeful he can come back and have some really productive years for the team. Maybe you think? I hope. I hope. <laughs> I, I, this whole Tomer Bailey topic has me just put my arms up like the. Uh, well, I don't know. <laughs> right? Yeah. Icon. Like, that's, I just. I got no idea. Yeah. That that, that icon, whatever that, I don't know what that whatever that is, that's going to be the title of this podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't but, know. Is it emoji or what? Yeah, whatever it is. But yeah. Um, yeah. You know. Who knows? Uh, and actually, that. Could be another alternate title for this podcast is who knows. Yeah, there's a there, you can you can make a case that things are looking up and that things are doing well, but uh, really, who knows? Uh, everything could go wrong too. You just you just don't know. Um, now the, the the big important question is in terms of the Reds' current team and, and, and looking forward. And I didn't warn you that I was going to ask you this question. So I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here. All right. 
can you tell me with any amount of certainty what color Trans Am John Lamb drives? <laughs> <laughs> I, I have, um, I, I like you, I uh, know a lot of John Lambs from growing up. <laughs> oh man, they were all over my high school yeah. back in the day. So I, I'm fairly certain that John Lamb drove a black Trans Am in high school. <laughs> no and way. since he's gotten a little bit of money, he has upgraded to the, I guess it's kind of like a maroon color with T-tops. Oh, nice. But but does he still listen to REO Speedwagon? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so, and he would probably call them a name. <laughs> probably, yes, probably. So uh, I hope John Lamb makes it just so we can watch that guy <laughs> just because he looks like I love it. He yeah. looks like, yeah, he looks like a... a you remember on the Dukes of Hazard when when Bo and Luke were in some sort of labor dispute and they brought in Coy and Vance, the oh yeah, the lookalike other cousins. Right. Yeah. I think if that had happened again, they could have gotten John Lamb to come in for the. Yeah, he'd be Coy, I think. Yeah, he would have been Coy or, or whoever the alternate Coy was if Coy had right. had gone on a walkout. I have no idea what John Lamb is actually like. I mean, I think he's from California. Yeah. Does that sound right? Southern California boy. I think his grandfather was like the PA guy for the Dodgers for years. Oh, is that right? Yeah, John Lamb is probably nothing at all like this caricature we have in our our minds. I think about when I was in, uh, you know, like an eighth or ninth grade, and these guys, these seniors that would stand out by the dumpsters at my high school smoking (laughs) cigarettes. (laughs) That's who I picture every time I see him pitch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a definite uh, Days and Confused vibe going on there. All right, all right, all right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think we've sort of beaten this Reds team to death. Uh, Anything else you want to say? No, I don't think so. Well, it's, uh, you know, it's fun to talk about them, I guess, even when they they stink. And so uh, I guess we'll keep doing it. Chris, appreciate you you joining me. I'm going to be calling on you a lot more in the next coming weeks. and actually the coming months for reasons that we'll let everybody know at some point. Uh, I expect to be talking to you a lot over the next year. Absolutely. Yeah, good talking to you, buddy. Thanks, uh, Chad. I'll, I'll, I'll say, as I always do, you can subscribe to the podcast uh, on iTunes. Uh, you can also go to redlegnationradio.com, and you can subscribe there, and there's an RSS feed you can subscribe. If you do subscribe at iTunes, or even if you don't, go to iTunes and, and give us a rating and, and a review. That helps us uh, helps bump us up in the uh, in the rankings a little bit. Uh, it helps more people discover us. Tell people about us. Uh, like I always say every podcast, though, if you give us a, if you like us, give us a, a rating or a review or tell your friends. If you don't like us, keep your mouth shut. Uh, follow Chris uh, on Twitter, at CGarber8. I got that right, didn't I? That's me. At CGarber8. You can follow me, uh, if for some reason you might want to, at DotsonC. Uh, at Red Leg Nation is uh, is the blog's handle. Follow us there. We're following the Reds every single day. Really appreciate uh, Chris Garber joining us. And for Chris, this is Chad Dawson saying, "Go so on."